Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast from Compass Counseling that asks the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm Justin Lewis. Today's episode focuses on grief, and I'll be talking with Jenny Linville, a therapist at Compass Counseling in Paducah who specializes in grief. She'll discuss what grief is and some ways to cope with it, including on the workplace. She'll also talk specifically about how to handle it as an employee, coworker, and boss. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you, and good morning. So let's just start here. There are some different ideas on grief and what grief is. There's a five-step model, right, that people mm-hmm. talk about, the, the steps of grief, and then there's some classifications of grief, including the acute, integrated, and complicated style. So as someone who specializes in the treatment of grief, how, will you, uh, how would you define it? Um, first, I would always, I always typically talk about how grief is not just about someone that you care about who has passed away or died, um, but grief can come in a lot of different forms. So, um, if you have a breakup of a relationship, so a marriage or a long-term relationship, um, the end of a chapter in life even. Mm. Um, so let's say you're, you've been working at the same company for 15 years and you come in one day and you were unexpectedly terminated mm. or down this company is downsized and you are a part of that downsizing. There would be some loss in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever we have a loss as, as people, we have a sense of grief that we go through. Right. So it doesn't have to be the death of somebody, a loved one. It it's really a, a loss or a negative change, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. is what grief is yeah. as far as how you would come to define it. Mm-hmm. So moving on to like the treatment of grief, we hear, yeah. I think... Um, People say stuff like everybody grieves different and mm-hmm. all, all people do something different when it comes to grief. And it seems like that's kind of a, I don't know if I want to say a justification for all behaviors, but it seems like it <laughs> opens the door for all sorts of different things to do when you're grieving. grieving. Yeah. And so I was wondering, maybe, um, maybe you could say, well, not everything is okay to do when you're grieving. Yeah. Um... Charlie Brown says it best with good grief, right? Um, No, I think there are healthy and helpful ways to grieve and unhealthy and unhelpful ways. So um, if you're looking to a substance in order to numb the pain, I would say that's an unhealthy or unhelpful. You can't like say, this is the form that my grief has taken and do drugs, right? (laughs) Yes, I'm now cheating on my spouse because (laughs) my dog died. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) That would be not the most helpful way to grieve. Okay, so what are are some good ways that people could to handle that? Yeah, um, giving yourself permission to grieve is big and not being afraid to grieve. Um, I think in our culture, we are always on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm quoting if you guys can't see okay. that. But air quotes air, over here. Yeah. Air quotes. Sorry, I hit my mic. Um, <laughs> but because of that, because we're always on, whether it's through social media, whether it's we always have our phone at our side, whether it's um, just in person, we always want to present that we are 
picture perfect. Mm. And a lot of times grief is not, it's definitely not pretty. I tell clients this, that grief is literally sitting in the ashes of what was. Mm. And ashes are messy and they're dirty and they leave smudges. And they're, they represent that there was something there at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we do, when I do grief grief counseling, I tell people, I am just here to sit in these ashes with you so that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of times people are, people are afraid of grieving because of what I just said. It's not pretty. It's not happy. It doesn't feel great. Um, and so a lot of times I think one of the best ways to grieve is to find someone that you trust, um, that's not afraid to just sit in dirt with you. Okay. All right. And not try to fix it. Right. Yeah. So that, that support and somebody that will listen to you unconditionally support you, um, which is what people can find in therapy, right? To give a little plug for therapy here. (laughs) Therapy. So one of the common questions that I get whenever I'm working with somebody in grief and in my experience has been, how long am I going to feel this way? <laughs> right. Do you get that question too? Yes. Yes. Okay. And yeah. they ask it pretty early on too, right? Yeah. Typically when I, when I have a client coming in for grief, the first session that we really start to talk about it is I tell them, this is going to be me teaching you about grief for like mm-hmm. the next 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we kind of go through and we demystify stuff, but that is a huge question. And my answer is always when we're talking about acute grief, the immediate moment, we're probably going to have really big grief pangs. And I can explain that word later, mm-hmm. but grief pangs for anywhere from like ending within two to five years, which is a really long time. That is a long time. Yeah. So you tell people this is going to this is going to be you're going to feel this way from 2 to 5 years. I tell them you're going to have moments where you're going to feel this way. So okay. when we talk about um grief, we talk about grief pangs. Mm-hmm. So the idea of really big waves of grief and then they kind of subside. Mm-hmm. But I do make sure people know that unfortunately you're never going to wake up one day and say, "Oh, that's right. I don't I no longer miss this person." There's never that aha moment or that I'm over break, grief. Yeah, line in the sand of, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm finished with it. Yeah. Right. So you said you do some teaching mm-hmm. for people. What kind of um, material do you use or what sort of teaching ideas do you have with that? Um, okay, so will we talk about the stages. Okay, so the five um, stages. Yeah, so five the stages. The common, uh, yeah, you can yeah. name those. Yeah. yeah. Which it's are? Like a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So typically, um, when we talk about grief, if you were to Google grief in right now, it would probably come up with these five stages of grief. Um, and the first one they would say would be like denial. Mm -hmm. So there's denial, anger, sadness, bargaining, bargaining might be up closer to the first two. And then finally is acceptance. Mm -hmm. Um, now in the, when I give education about this, I want people to make sure, please know that these are not stair steps. Because I think that's when the question you asked earlier, how long until I get to this step? Yeah, that's the way that people see steps, I think. That's the way. It's like um, stages, if we, right? Yeah. In most things in society, you think of steps, you think of mm-hmm. moving on to the next one. But Grief is not that, unfortunately. The five steps is not that at all. It is not. Yeah. <laughs> there is no. There's a branding problem there, I think. We need to re- yeah. redo that. So, yeah. 
I, I have a grief wheel that I show people mm-hmm. and we talk about the grief wheel and, we, and I always use either a bicycle or a car, um, to kind of, I like metaphors mm-hmm. and I think grief is a great place to use metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're in a wheel, there are spokes and the spokes are, for those of you that aren't super familiar with that term, I didn't mm-hmm. know it until I started talking about it. Um, in a wheel, you have like the outside circle and then the inside circle and the inside circle has like, I'm going to use the word lines, but it's probably like metal or something <laughs> that actually holds the tire onto the wheel or <laughs> keeps the wheel from crushing. <laughs> um, and the spokes, um, if we imagine that with their different spokes, there's like triangles and that's where a stage would be. And so as we get on the bicycle or we get in the car and we start to drive away from the point of impact where mm-hmm. the grief happened, um, the wheel as it goes forward moves. And if you think about the stages as being different spokes within the wheel, at some point in time, a new spoke is going to touch the ground. Mm. And so as you keep going, you're going to probably cycle through those. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just step and then like, Oh, that's right. I'm never going to be angry about this again. Um, 15 years from the death of someone that you care about, you might get angry about something that you hadn't thought about in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of swell up again. So the important thing when we talk about the process of grief is we're on the bike, we're in the car as we're going through those stages or those spokes of grief, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way I can call yeah. them now. <laughs> um, is that even though we're feeling it, we are still farther away from the point of impact and mm-hmm. we're still on the journey to where we're going. Okay. Yeah. And for those of you who can't see, she was looking at a blueprint of a bicycle <laughs> in my office <laughs> for assistance there. So that's kind of a, uh, a trick of the trade for therapists. I think mm-hmm. take whatever we have in the room is <laughs> to take um, whoever somebody is and use a metaphor from yeah. their life. Right. Yep. And so <laughs> Jenny was drawing on that uh, therapeutic yeah. skill just now to explain that part of grief. So let's change gears, so, so to speak. But I'm see that? See what I did there? <laughs> now, therapists if, um, are also known to have great, really great corny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps lighten the mood, doesn't it? It yeah, does. It does because you know, for an hour of, of intense talk it can be challenging without some levity so yeah uh, in the therapy session if you've never been to therapy you can you can know that it's it's not always um 100 <laughs> of our time is spent you know with a tissue in hand sort right. of deal yeah. i tell my clients that on session one just so you know we will probably have fun in here yeah right at least for my sake <laughs> right. it's, not, it's not it's not against the rules to at some point enjoy moments that are going yeah. on even if you're overcoming grief and maybe especially yeah. so I don't know would, would that be a, an important thing that you would say for somebody is to find oh, a, yeah. a way to to laugh not necessarily about the event but right. you know enjoy life in some mm-hmm. ways yeah I thought about this after we've been talking about it a little bit more to add to the definition of grief grief is never something that um you get over we said that earlier grief is learning how to live within a new reality Um, and so within this new reality that we're creating or Mm -hmm. the person who's grieving is creating, you do want to have enjoyment in this new reality. Right. And so even though there's a 
part of the old reality that yes, we're going to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, in this new reality, there is still life. There is still love. There is still joy. There is still peace and excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like we have created a new space in our heart for this previous reality, but yeah. we make room for a new reality. Right. Yeah. I like that term new reality. I use new normal a lot. The new normal. Yeah. Yeah. As you like, you're getting the rhythms of our life and we mm-hmm. have certain things that are there, people that are there, mm-hmm. jobs, whatever it is that, and then whenever that is no longer the case, we have a new yep. reality or new normal that we're living mm-hmm. in. So knowing how to function within that is important. I think Yeah, we're in a unique position on helping somebody with grief, but mm-hmm. let's try to put ourselves in the position of a friend who's yes. trying to help another person <laughs> grieve. Yeah. So this is actually how I got into grief therapy, like therapy specifically for grief. Okay. Um, I was in a, I was in seminary before I became a therapist uh-huh. and, um, a close couple that, um, were like spiritual mentors to me and they were actually my pastor at the time. Their child died. Um, after years of trying to get a child, they had adopted one and he passed away after Mm. being their son for like three months. Wow. And it was devastating. Of course. Um, and so when I actually talk about this specifically, I actually really talk to talk to people in mind when I have this statement of, I want to help others help people grieve in a healthy way we want to make people feel better mm-hmm. and so if you're a friend of someone who's grieving and they show and they open up and they show you this like painful part of their existence of what's going on a lot of times we really 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 want to help because we're like oh what can i do like here's food or like yeah but look at the bright side like we want to silver line stuff right um I don't know that anyone could silver line if my husband were to die. Right. Yeah. Right. Even if I were to like find a different husband or whatever, it doesn't take away the loss. Sure. Um, and so I always tell people, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to fix it because you can't. So take that pressure off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people often don't lean in to those that are grieving because they feel unequipped. Mm. And they, the big question is like, right, what do I say? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, like, you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You're just there. <laughs> um, right. And I'll even be a little transparent here and say, it's normal to want to fix that. It's normal to ask yourself, what do I say? I'm a grief therapist. And when I go to funerals of people that I care about mm-hmm. th- and I'm in the line to re- to be received or whatever by the the one who has actually had the major loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think, oh, crap. <laughs> what do I say right now? <laughs> right. right. And so if I do it, I not that I'm better than anyone else, but if I do this for a living and I still have that kind of freak out moment, yeah. I'm sure it's pretty normal for everybody. Sure. Um, but just to know that there's really no pressure. There, there are some things that you could say wrong, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for those that are um, of a faith background, I typically use the book of Job as a perfect example. Uh-huh. Um, for those that are not familiar, the book of Job, there's this guy who loves God and he has a lot of money and a lot of farming and a lot of um, like servants and a lot of just a lot of great stuff, like 10 kids or something. And within two days, he loses everything he owns and had mm-hmm. except for his wife 
including his own health. And he had three friends come, and for like a really short amount of time, they just sat, like this is where I get the language ashes. They sat in the ashes with Job and said nothing because of his grief. Mm-hmm. And then like for the next 26 or so chapters, they start telling him all these dumb things like maybe you've <laughs> I was about to say go on to uh, give him some bad advice there a ton yeah. of bad advice so like things not to say right like maybe there's sin in your life that you're being like karma bad karma whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that um and it's reaping mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe you should change something in you um i know that people mean the best with this but anything that sounds like it could be on a poster in a middle school hallway yeah like you know, um, God's not going to give you more than you can bear, um, or there must have been a reason. I, you know, I want to make a comment on that. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I hear a lot in my training. It's like don't say things like that. Don't don't try to comfort. But I've noticed that sometimes people like that. I think sometimes people want to hear it. Everything happens for a reason, and they tell themselves that. And I've heard them even say that in therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, after we've been trained not to say those things. Have you ever noticed that people actually don't mind those trite sayings? Yeah, I'm going to come off as really unpopular here. <laughs> yeah, I think they're not helpful. Yeah, I think that we we have learned to say these things. Someone has said those things to us. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, they they could be helpful, but I, if a client says that in my office, I'll say that. I don't necessarily correct them and say, no, <laughs> but I do say, if that's helpful, okay. Um, but please know I'm not going to say that. So one way to look at it is if it's helpful for them, let them go there, but we don't have to in, initiate that kind of thinking. Right. And then on a therapy level, I would also have yeah. to dig deeper to make sure that that isn't just, I'm saying this so that you think everything is fine and you think I've got this. Right, yeah. Because I think that can become, if it's just a mantra mm-hmm. that we're saying over and over and over again, but there's no depth to it. There's not going to be any healing there. Yeah, yeah, it's just a Band-Aid trying to cover up a dam. Right, right. That's like okay. a water dam, not like a bad word. Okay. <laughs> it's a family show, Jenny. Sorry. <laughs> D-A-M. Okay. so okay uh let's say let's go to the workplace because part of this is workplace wellness focused we talked about what to do for a friend what about a coworker? our coworkers are not always our friends but they're people we spend a lot of time with yeah so somebody at your office is grieving a loss Mm -hmm. what are some things a coworker could do for that person yeah so um well, here's where I get my plug of like, let's change policy. Um, <laughs> we don't give a ton of bereavement time in the workplace, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, if you're noticing that a coworker is kind of struggling and you know that something major has happened, um, checking in with them, maybe okay. going to lunch with them. Or um, at the same time, if if you know that they have like time that they could just take off, like personal time. Um, maybe even checking in to say, Hey, like, I know that you're struggling with this and this stinks. Do you need space? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we do need space, right? We need to, again, ashes are ugly. We don't want to people to see that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
And so if we don't ever let any, like if we don't ever actually get to be in it, then it's still there just waiting for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would, yeah, I would suggest reaching out, just letting them know you're here. I'm a big fan of cards, like Mm. old fashioned snail Mm -hmm. mail cards. For sure. Um, And that can just even be a card of encouragement. It doesn't even have to be like, hey, I'm here if you want to, if you want to talk to me about whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Because some people, some people really aren't great at that, right? So like, yeah. I'm not a great math teacher, <laughs> yeah. but I can listen really well. <laughs> right. Um, right. But it takes all types. It does. Yeah. yeah. But even if it should send a card that says, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, one big thing that people are really, they, whether they're friend or coworker, they shy away from is actually saying, Hey, I was, let's say uh, a wife lost her husband and his name was Steve and they, they had a memory of Steve Mm -hmm. or if I bring up anything, it's going to make this person fall apart at work. Mm. And in reality, one, okay, that could happen. But on the other side of that, you are acknowledging that the person who lost something, that was a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of I can't talk about this person anymore or your significant other, or now I can't invite, you know, if we're in a, a, a game night league, a bowling league with people and someone's husband's died, we just kind of say, oh, well, she can't come anymore because we don't want her to remember that he used to be doing this with us. In reality, don't she... Don't make choices for them is what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. they remember already. You're not going to all of a sudden sure. say, oh, crap, I said his name and now she's... Right. And in reality, she's thinking about him all of the time, especially if mm-hmm. it's super recent, right? Yeah. Okay. So. And one thing not to say is, how can I help? Because that's just one more thing they have to figure out, oh, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. It seems like it's such a kind mm-hmm. and like generous way to approach it, but then it's it just one more thing they feel like they have to figure out is, okay, how can I tell Justin to help me now? <laughs> you know what? And it's more about us than it is about them at that point. Is us is like, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, I'm feeling good about myself because I helped this person. Yeah. But the reality is we're just putting more burden really on this person it, right? who already <laughs> has all these things weighing on them about how they're going to take care of yeah. this new normal, as we said, the new reality. Yeah, so. yeah I always... <laughs> I tell people, if someone says that, tell them to go wash your car. That could really help you. Yeah. Or come vacuum my floor. Yeah, right. Or go to the grocery store. Like, um, I heard this actually in another podcast I was listening to, and it was talking about new moms and that same question, right? People are like, oh, what can we do to help? Um, And so she recommended her um, patients to make a list of things that need to be done. And when anyone asks that question, go to the list and say, pick something off that list and do it for me. That'd be great. Right. (laughs) And I thought that was genius. That is smart. Yeah. And on the other side, if you're going to be proactive and be helpful, don't just say, what can I do? Say, Hey, I've got this amount of time today. I am going to go do this for you. And it can be weird things like go wash someone's car. If someone did that for me, even though I'm not grieving, like amazing. (laughs) True. True. And just to put it out there, I don't mind anybody washing my car at any time. (laughs) For any reason. I will leave the keys in it. With or without <laughs> grief. All right. So let's say you are the person who has lost um, and are grieving. Mm-hmm. How does how do you try to function at work? What's an important way to to go about things? Yeah. You know, on the other 
not to think too much about trying to soothe the uncomfort of your coworkers, but at the same time, being able to be around people and to know how to fit and be able to do your job, you know, those sort of things. Be productive. Yeah, right, of course. Air quotes. Yeah, more (laughs) air quotes. Because that's what, never mind. Um, Yeah, Uh, I would say planned pockets of time. Mm-hmm. So before you go you to work, yeah, um, if you have breaks, if you have a lunch, whatever it is that you're doing, make sure that you set time set time aside, even if it's like, okay, I plan at 9.15 to get up from my desk, go to the bathroom and sob for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself that space. So make time and for that. Mm-hmm. Because again, if you're not letting it out, it's just storing up right right um and, and so if you don't make time to do it you just think i'll do it later and it'll just kind of you may never happen mm-hmm. right. and some people are like i'm not really in the mood to cry and it's like okay well you don't have to cry with grief right that's sure. one of the things you don't have to do um but yeah it's good take, a, take some time and take a break and reflect and mm-hmm. okay regather regroup mm-hmm. i guess is the word we use sure yeah so what about like a manager or a boss what could they do for an employee who's grieving or has just lost somebody yeah um show up so Mm -hmm. even if like a funeral is during the day okay so support that process Mm -hmm. yeah um if they're not taking time and you're a boss or manager and you know that they have time again check in and say hey we're here for you do you need to use any of this time i'm thinking like hr people too or sure um reaching out if that person need, if they're, you know, going to therapy for grief, mm-hmm. try to be flexible with their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and even possibly even provide some uh, resources for therapy. I've, right, like I've been on the, the therapy side of that where the employer has seen the value in their employees yeah. and the value in therapy. So they've provided that mm-hmm. opportunity for their employees to get some Yep. grief help and yeah. so that that goes a long way to mm-hmm. building the culture and helping the person and yeah increasing productivity and all the yeah. different things that you know go along with that so 100% so obviously as as professionals we are all about that but um Take but care it, tr- of yourself. <laughs> it truly can be helpful for your employees mm-hmm. so yeah okay is there uh Anything else that you would like to say about grief? Maybe what's one thing somebody could do if they're listening to this and and feel grieve, grieving? Yeah, um, there's so much I could say. Sure. Please know that you're not alone. Um, we all have we 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 will all have times of grief. Mm-hmm. That is inevitable. Um, that shows that we cared and we loved, and we were a part of something outside of ourselves. Um, In the event that you've had a loss and it's either new or, like I said earlier, if you're still struggling and it's been over, I personally would reach out to someone like a therapist Mm -hmm. um, if after a week or two I was still inconsolable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like 
that's me saying if I have a week of vacation and a week of time built up and now I'm like, okay, well now what do I do? And really, as I say that out loud, I'm thinking, why would I want to waste all of that time (laughs) that I've built up? Not wasting it, but why would I want to use that and utilize that for this when if I could go and talk with someone and sit in this with someone, I would probably Mm -hmm. reach out way sooner than a week or two. Yeah, right. Um, I know people that have to use hospice, a lot of times they have they have aftercare for mm-hmm. those um, that are still there. Sure. Um, and so starting a therapy or a group or a grief group sooner rather than later would be really helpful. Yeah, we didn't really get into the groups, the grief groups, but mm-hmm. those can be helpful as well just because mm-hmm. of the, as you use the term, sitting in the ashes, mm-hmm. feeling like you're not alone. Mm-hmm. They provide all those types of settings and can be like, this is what helps me. And then you can get ideas Mm -hmm. from that. So groups can be very helpful with that as well. Yeah. No matter what your grieving is Mm -hmm. or what your, what your loss was. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode, Jenny. Thanks for having me. And just a reminder, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional counseling. For personalized therapy, you can contact us through our website, compasspaducah.com. We offer both face-to-face and telehealth at this time, and all that information is on compasspaducah.com. This is part of our series on workplace wellness. I'm Justin Lewis. Mapping Healthy Minds is recorded in the Compass Building on 2204 Kentucky Avenue, hosted and produced by me, Theme music is by Daniel Niehoff, and the show is made possible by Compass Counseling. We all have mental health. How's yours?